Thomas Merton said something like, To what avail is it if mankind or humankind can fly to the moon if we cannot cross the abyss that separates us from ourselves. <coughs> so um, tonight, I'd like to uh, address that question of how we cross that abyss that we often find between ourselves and ourselves, between ourselves and others, between somehow where we are and our sense of the possibility, the fullness of life. So, specifically, I'd like to talk about the four Brahma-viharas. They are um, divine abodes or heavenly abidings in the Pali. They are wholesome qualities of heart. And that the Buddha taught, I was talking about the uh, path of training that he often uh, gave to monks and nuns and lay people and there'd be this sequence of trainings and as I was saying often starts with generosity and ethics and then on to contentment, mindfulness and sometimes the Brahma Viharas, these particular qualities of heart will kind of come next. So they are loving-kindness, compassion, appreciative joy, and equanimity. And I'd like this evening to try to explore a little bit how we can um, weave these qualities of heart and mind, these intentions and these attitudes, we can weave them into the fabric of our life, the fabric of our practice. So not necessarily just as a formal practice, which I'll be introducing tomorrow with the loving kindness, but also in the course of a single day here on retreat, any day in our life, these are qualities of heart that we can call upon. They're said to be innate qualities within us that we simply need to attune to, to turn toward, to get to know, to remember and to cultivate. And that they are much more the natural, um, uh, real quality or nature of the mind itself when the mind is clear, clear from delusion, clear from greed, hatred, clear from things that obscure and cloud. And so these as 
wholesome states of mind are tremendous allies and supports to us as we meet, you know, the less than lovely mind states, you know, which we all do. I don't know how many moods or mind states you might have experienced today and how quickly they can change and how sometimes they can seem to linger and how much a mind state it acts as a filter like a you know like a, a piece of yellow plastic you look through the yellow plastic and the whole world looks yellow so when there's a lot of um, aversion in, in the mind a lot of in, in, in any any form you know so there's a lot of uh, anger then gosh you know we can find everything irritating you know the mat being crooked or that person breathing loudly, you know, just... So to really begin to see how um, how these, these the mind state, seeing how it affects everything. And often on the first day of retreat, and, well, possibly every day of our life, actually, you know, in certain forms, we meet these uh, hindrances, these uh, energies of uh, difficulty that get the mind in... Uh, states that make it hard for us to feel kindness or to see clearly. And so these Brahma Viharas are, in a way, antidotes. So as I go through them, I want to just pick up and show a little bit how we can uh, turn towards those qualities and um, how they can be antidotes to some of those poisonous, toxic kind of mind states and help us to uh, embrace and uh, begin to be able to turn toward and find uh, steadiness with all of these changing conditions, changing mind states, and to learn for ourselves, you know, what what, um, power... An intention, uh, an attitude, a moment of kindness, as I was saying earlier, and how that can transform, that can transform our world. And to really begin to, to really open to that possibility, to begin to notice it in our experience and to, to really know that we can uh, incline and, and train the mind so that we're more and more... Um, able to to access these wholesome wholesome states so um, we can through being able to know and uh, uh, yeah know and experience and and understand these 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 intentions um, we can learn to bring to be able to bring kindness and wisdom to every moment to each moment to be able to meet the difficult with wisdom with compassion to be able to meet joy with wisdom with 
open hands, not grasping hands. So through this, again, we're addressing the context of our life and the the conditions in which we practice. Today we've really been a lot exploring the attention, how we can train the attention, where we place our attention, what happens with that. And what these um, Brahma Viharas are addressing is much more the, the how or the the intention. So sometimes, you know, we can we can see, you can move between these two sort of functions of the mind or areas of practice where we're really focusing on what we're paying attention to, but sometimes, oh what's happening in the intention? What's the motivation here? Well, what's the mood of the mind? And seeing what what we can uh, notice and see there and then uh, what we can uh, turn towards. So the retreat is of is is a training ground. So as I go through these four uh, these four qualities, these four sort of wise intentions, I'd like to invite you to, um, as much as possible, kind of tune into what that what they might mean for you, not theoretically, but right now, and just listen out for what touches you, what makes sense, so that that becomes a, a point of contact with that particular Brahma Vihara, becomes a, 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 a stepping stone, a doorway for you in your journey of, of understanding that and, and connecting with that quality. I think for me, with, with for example, with metta, loving kindness, I think it took a long time of, I think, yeah, yeah, kindness, great, of course, right? <laughs> and but to really deeply get it and to feel and to be able to actually bring that to those most difficult places of, of self-judgment, of, of despair, of, of freaking out, you know, of, you know, and to actually gradually begin to realize that, oh, right, okay, this is always relevant. You know, this is always helpful. It's it's and and uh, it, it can take a while. Hopefully you'll be quicker than I've been, but <laughs> a lot of patience in revisiting. So, um, with metta, with the loving kindness, I like to spend a little while with that. We, I mean, I, I I'm in danger of possibly becoming one of those teachers who goes on and on about kindness. On oh, actually, at the end, you know, talking about kindness, um, but it just seems so central and so it's uh, this yeah attitude of friendliness of oh, so many different facets to it friendliness warmth a willingness to come close to uh, beneficence uh, sometimes it's it's also in the teachings it's called non-ill will so there we have, you know, that element of re- refraining, of restraint, that side of the cultivation where sometimes just to, you know, refrain from uttering that, you know, critical outburst or whatever, you know, is kindness. So including including that. So it's um, said to be the antidote, particularly to 
different states of aversion. So we're talking about all these, the different forms of aversion that we might again experience in a single day. From rage, anger, through irritation, fear, boredom, guilt. A long list and all the different um, uh, all the different intensities of, of that very mild oh, very very strong so we might say I th- and, and, and I know from even talking to some of you today you know this um, difficult sensation arises or a difficult pattern in the mind you know habit and and how how much you know, we know when we start struggling with that and pushing it away and going, oh no, there I am thinking that again. You know, um, it doesn't help generally. <laughs> so what is it in that moment? You know, when the self judging thoughts or the criticism of others or the whatever it is, there I go again. What how what is it actually? How do we do? What does it feel like to bring kindness? And again, initially it might just be pausing, you know, and waiting and thinking, okay, hold on. And just even for that moment, not going into the usual kind of thing. So, you know, even those small gaps and moments, they all add to uh, opening up a, a, a different kind of possibility, a different pathway. And with all of these, I mean, I think it takes patience, but I think also patience is a, a manifestation of, of metta, of, of loving kindness. We might also um, understand that in our practice, particularly as um, uh, the way we can relate to experience in the body. So this is really helpful, whether it's an emotional, mental, relational problem or whatever it is, to come into the body to find out the physical reverberations, echoes of that mental process and to be able to locate that and then approach that with with a sense of allowing or a sense of, of softening around, a sense of uh, you know, investigation, how does it feel where where is it how big is it is it, is it is it in my shoulder is it you know how far down does it go and being able to when it's possible to to do that kind of wise investigation this is kindness and this is made possible through uh, the willingness to to approach again to come near to that which we are habitually kind of condition to go away from or to push at or push down or hold away from. So this area of aversion, the first of the hindrance energies, the the different ways that we can bring kindness, um, that we can bring kindness to that. And sometimes it can transform so, for example, with a very, very strong experience of fear 
or anxiety, that sometimes if there's enough mindfulness and of steadiness and of kindness, that can that energy can that sort of twisted energy can 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 actually un, untangle and 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 unfold and turn into something else. In my experiences, as often love or spaciousness. So almost like the 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 hindrance energy is a kind of a like a contorted sort of distorted form of of an energy that once it can find its own balance, it becomes a wholesome energy. So again, this is one of the many uh, miraculous aspects of the practice in the Buddha's teachings that the very difficulty is is the the, the uh, doorway the uh, the place of help and of uh, release and of of deep understanding and we we practice a lot of our practice I think is to make that more and more possible. think on a a very simple practical level as well I think during our day here we can cultivate kindness through those really simple things that we do do for each other you know stepping aside and letting somebody get their plate you know um, just noticing somebody looking at you and, and giving them a little smile back or these small little acts of kindness, you know, really um, towards or towards ourselves, you know, saying, "Oh, I'm, you know, feeling a bit rough." Okay, right. What would help? Right. Um, yeah, maybe some walking outside. This kindness, kind, kind actions, and obviously, you know, in in our, in our life. There's, you know, endless, endless opportunities for that. But again, on retreat, we're, we're training and inclining our mind to, to open to those opportunities. And also, lastly, on this one, I think I, I don't know for you, but I, I love to, to, to see the kindness of others. If you see somebody else doing a kind act and somehow letting it influence you and it kind of can yeah you know that's and and, and sort of allowing oneself to be uh, you know influenced and almost like wanting to join in with that little story um in Denbury I think it was December there was a lot of ice on the road and I was walking up there and it was a wonderful little bit of communal kindness I was walking and somebody who was coming down there warned me this particular bit of the road was really, really slick and it was black ice, you couldn't see it. So I thought, oh, thank you very much. You know, it really was treacherous. I was kind of tiptoeing around it. And then I met somebody coming this way and I went, oh, I've got to tell you about this black ice, you know. <laughs> and so I told them what that guy had told me. And then uh, I was walking further into the village and somebody was coming towards me and he warned me about another bit of ice that was ahead of me. And I was able to warn him about the ice. <laughs> you get the idea. But it was just a wonderful kind of uh, example of that kind of uh, way that we, sh- we can share that. And 
so we can do that perhaps in, in subtle, subtler ways on retreat. But so um, to move on to the second Brahma Vihara, uh, Karuna in the, in the Pali, K A R U N A, compassion. I mean, any one of these is obviously worth a whole talk or a, you know, a whole retreat or a whole year of <laughs> investigation. But again, in terms of presenting these four qualities as, or intentions as something to, to weave into our day, weave into a single sitting even. So we're, we're knowing that we can always tune into kindness. So with the compassion, the, 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 the quality, so what, what is this? I mean, maybe we all know, we all have some idea about that. You know, we've experienced it from others. We've we've offered that 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 sense of being able to resonate with suffering, to meet suffering in ourselves or another, and be able to uh, feel it, to feel with uh, in a way which um, it creates space, creates connection, and allows healing. And is not overwhelmed by the suffering. So, um, it's um, the antidote to cruelty. And I think that, I don't know about you, but I see in myself, I think sometimes, you know, you have this <laughs> paradox of, whatever you might call it in practice, where you start to uh, cultivate the intention of compassion and you start to realise the cruelty and the harshness. Kind of, you know, you, you intend toward kindness and you, the same thing. You could sometimes, you know, you see more of, oh, yeah, right, those times of resistance and different kinds of um, aversion. So with cruelty, I think whether we see it and the world around us or we experience it in ourselves that again it is in a way an invitation to compassion it seems like the f- forms of, of cruelty of, of particularly self-judgment are so common for us and so uh, difficult somehow for, for a lot of us to, to deal with and Again, to be able to bring compassion to ourself is the learning of bringing compassion to the other. And when we can bring compassion to the other, when we can have those moments, you know, we really, really listen to a friend. We really listen. You know, we're able to stay with that person and to, you know, resist the temptation to get, fix it, you know, do this, oh, what about that? Oh, yeah, I know what you mean, I, you know. And all those eyes, and when we can really, uh, the power that that can have for somebody, and maybe you've all experienced that in some way, and that when we do that for another or with another, we're learning about how we can be compassionate with ourselves too. It's really the same. It's the same. It's just, it's just suffering rising here or there. And the way we, the way we relate to that suffering, 
Um, it's the difference between compounding the suffering and actually helping the suffering to release and alleviate and to know to know the difference you know and I think we do and we know you know I can think of times when you know that there is a lot of difficulty and you know you're kind of winding it up and churning it around and and how how just to make that shift of can I be with this and yet also to have that wisdom knowing when to step back when to step away when to move the attention to uh, something more easy or neutral or pleasant, and that the skillful means that that is sometimes. I wanted to read um, a Tibetan prayer, which I think is a wonderful um, expression of, of compassion. Grant that I may be given appropriate difficulties and suffering on this journey so that my heart may be truly awakened and my practice of liberation and universal compassion may be truly fulfilled. I think that that that, um, embodies the the aspiration and recognition that any any moment of compassion is is for all beings it's for all of us it's bringing into the world what's needed so whether we're responding to suffering in ourselves or in another, to really, to really know that that when we can find, um, you know, that patience, that compassion, that forgiveness, it's it's such an offering, such an offering to the world. Okay, so moving along to the third Brahma Vihara, Mudita, M-U-D-I-T-A, appreciative joy. Now, one of the one of the ways that these four Brahma Viharas, qualities or intentions or attitudes, work is that they work together. So they can balance each other. So sometimes in a day or even in a whole life, you know, temperamentally or something, we can say, well, you know, kindness, yeah, that's I can see some of that around. And compassion, well, you know, but appreciative joy, uh, hmm, not so much maybe. So we might see some area where we can actually develop more, get to know more. So this quality of mudita, gladness, Gladness uh, for the good fortune or at the good fortune of others, but also of ourself. So all of these Brahma Viharas are um, to others as to ourself, 
to, to ourselves as to others. But this ability to celebrate goodness, to recognize, to enjoy um, happiness, the happiness of others, the good fortune of others, and the way that that gladdens the mind. So this is so skillful. And again, when you know, to to uh, turn towards nature inside, to be able to um, move the mind to an appreciation of somebody who's been generous to us, to uh, appreciate some. Uh, some quality in ourselves even that we appreciate you know I hang in there most of the time you know or whatever it is that we can actually see so we're also asked to see that in ourselves and this is uh, the antidote to discontent and envy um, among other things and I think this is really for me this is this has been very very continues to a very important area where you realize that your the inability or the disinclination to celebrate and really oh you know great happy to be gladdened by the good fortune of others is because we feel a sense of lack in ourselves and our life you know and it's like oh they've got i haven't she's like this i'm not you know and immediately we can jump into that comparing, yeah? measuring mind, seeing or at least perceiving, you know, it's like delusive sometimes. Can't we imagine somebody has this great life or whatever and then perhaps later it turns out, you know, well, hmm, not quite what I thought. Every life has suffering in it, some form, some time. So when the envious uh, little scenario presents itself and there's the possibility of actually choosing mudita, choosing oh, okay I see the envy thing, okay yeah I can see that, oh it's getting started, right, now do I want to go down that road you know and being able to say well what would it you know, could I actually say well great, happy for that, happy for that oh, and actually what can happen is, once you start opening to that, you realize that when you do that, you are actually sharing in that happiness, you know. So, oh, <laughs> I, I, I think it was the Dalai Lama talking about this, something like that was so great because once you started really being happy for other people, you had so much more chance of being happy, you know. Um, and I, and I think that it, it deeply challenges and undermines and turned, pulls us away from these, you know, these habits or, or these views of, you know, I'm this, I lack that, I, you know, I'm never going to, you know, and they. And just really seeing how, how, um, how destructive that is, what it's, re- what it's reinforcing in ourselves. And can we can we let go? And that when we can do that, the other thing that happens, I think, and maybe you sense that with all of these Brahma Baharas, that they're sometimes called the immeasurables. The immeasurables. The, there's a boundless quality. There's a quality in which once we start opening with, with kindness, with compassion, with appreciative joy, it's it starts to feel like 
there is no real difference between uh, the happiness here and the happiness there. It's just happiness. And we can share in it. And so there's the mind, there's the mind that is not remotely interested in measuring and judging, comparing. The mind that uh, is boundless, inclusive and uh, knows uh, that uh, interconnectedness and that uh, fellowship that we have with with all beings. Um, Sherry Huber, a Zen teacher, said something very challenging to me, which I, uh, I don't know if you'll find it equally so. so. Enjoy life or don't enjoy life. The choice is mine. So, it's, it's really a question, isn't it? It's looking more and more and seeing, as I was saying yesterday, you know, when we are choosing, when we are adding to suffering, when we are participating in our experience in a way which is actually making things worse. And I think sometimes this is quite, what should I say, humbling to actually start to really see that. We may have blamed all kinds of things, begin to see without blame, without blame of oneself oh you know, when this happens I start doing, you know, and actually that doesn't and, and again begin to be able to take the eye out of it this is just what's happening these are conditions, these are habits um, and they can be they can be seen and these Brahma Viharas, these qualities of heart, can help us to find the kindness, find the space, find the freedom from judgment, the freedom from blame, the space where we can actually see, you know, what's optional. You know, that this discernment of just the pain and difficulty of life in a human Form that we all have in different ways, you know, aging, sickness, and death, and then all the conditioning, the different kinds that we have to deal with, emotional life, and the whole thing. And then what we add. And sometimes in practice, it's so important to really make a commitment to nurturing our sense of the pleasant in practice the goodness in life a gratitude I think is really that's a wonderful practice to help with that my experience is if I, if I really sit down and start thinking about what I'm grateful for it kind of snowballs <laughs> and it gets like even when you at the beginning you might think you can't think of anything it's like oh wonderful so mudita in a way whatever gladdens the mind and you you know that's somewhat going to be different for all of us to really find out now what when i think of it or when i bring that to my mind and heart or you know when i do this really nourishes me it's a sense of uplift and to really make time in our day you now to do that to to again as i've been already beginning to go on about 
it's conditions. It's learning what the conditions are that truly support us and discovering that we can actually participate in um, cultivating those conditions. So the last Brahma Vihara, um, Upekka, U-P-E-K-K-H-A, equanimity. Um, if I can read my writing. Uh, I have a wonderful quote here, if I can read it. Um, Bhikkhu Bodhi, this, he, this is his definition, which I think is very interesting. Uh, equanimity as a balanced reaction to joy and misery which protects one from emotional agitation. For some reason, I find that funny because <laughs> I, 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 a balanced reaction to, to joy and misery, which already, in a way, seems like well, that is, you know, an emo- emotional agitation, isn't it? But the the, the sense of the, the again of being able to hold misery without emotional agitation. I find that very uh, kind of inspiring. So equanimity, again, many, many different aspects to it, but you might think of it as a state of mind, and it can be a state of, of mind that can be very, very profound kinds of equanimity. There's a deep, deep stillness, mind resting in itself, very still, very unified, uh, really nothing happening Um, but it can also be again this attitude this intention that we're bringing to our life to meet uh, to meet things with steadiness to meet the ups and downs the pains and the pleasures and the successes and the failures and begin to be able to meet all of it with balance with steadiness with non-panic Um, uh, Reb Anderson talks about being upright amidst everyday chaos which is I think a wonderful sort of uh, again a sort of aspiration to be able to be upright amidst the chaos it still can be going on and yet we can find Balance and stillness, which does have it has sensitivity. It's not indifference. It's not apathy. It's not shutting off. But it's ability not to react, not to be drawn into this constant, you know, pulling and pushing and being drawn towards what we like and pushed away from what we dislike. And you know, the way our life can just feel like you know one long comfort-seeking expedition. Or one long, you know, flight from the unpleasant. Or one long flight into, you know, some form of escape or fantasy. Or a rather rich combination of all three of those (laughs) forms sometimes. So with equanimity, we're saying that there really is a possibility of cooling our reactivity. And not by trying to get away from anything. Um, but by, again, uh, essentially this uh, practice we've been doing of mindfulness, of, of learning what it is 
more and more continually and more and more deeply to meet each moment as it is and to inquire deeply what is this so that uh, meeting and that gradual opening opening into uh, toward the the mystery, the actuality of our life, of a really deep sense of what what is this? What is happening? This is all um, part of equanimity, part of what supports equanimity, part of what equanimity makes possible. So um, I'd like to read something by Ajahn Chah which is a, a, I think um, uh, helps us to see what we might aspire to with equanimity he says try to be mindful and let things take their natural course then your mind will become still in any surroundings like a clear forest pool. All kinds of wonderful, rare animals will come to drink at the pool and you will see clearly the nature of all things. You will see many strange and wonderful things come and go, but you will be still. This is the happiness of the Buddha. So, just to finish, I'd like to just go over these four qualities again. And one way that I've practiced with them, as in the way that I'm suggesting, as sort of threading them into our daily, into our daily experience, is you can you can take a, a word, just one word. There are phrases that we can use in the formal practice, but a word which for you connects you with that particular Brahma Vihara. Um, so with loving kindness, friendliness, warmth, connection, gentleness, openness. And just as a suggestion, if there's a word in, you know that you can find for yourself that helps you connect with that quality then that's a word you can carry around with you and use that to remind you of that quality of that intention something you can call upon of compassion this feeling with resonating spacious allowing Healing. I don't know what word it might be for you. Mudita. Gladness. Joy. A 
appreciation, gratitude, goodness, beauty, or upekka, equanimity, steadiness, coolness, evenness, stillness, silence. So that we can nourish our being so that we can respond with with wisdom so that we can gently, gradually with an infinite amount of patience help ourselves to cross that abyss to cross that abyss between ourselves and our experience between ourselves and our happiness between ourselves and others may all beings no kindness. May all beings know compassion. May all beings know joy. May all beings know equanimity, peace and freedom. <laughs> 